Good evening. <clears throat> well, There's some clips that I can play for you. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, where tonight I'm going to talk about music and I'm going to talk about film because it's all connected. Because a lot of the clips that I just played for you have film clips in them. First clip, Burning Inside. Intro of Warning Horn and Synthesizer Tones. John Carpenter's The Thing. And John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness original score. The next one, get up, get up, get on your feet. You will not kill. I can't hear you. Dialogue from Arlie Emery's drill instructor character in full metal jacket. And the final one was dialogue spoken during the song. You have and all of that money can give you kill for a thrill is from the judges summoning up at the end of Edward's scripted The Violent Years. Go ahead, assassins. And the laughter sample from the film Scarface. These are all interconnected. This musician likes to copy, cut and paste before it was even a fashion. Before you could even do it on a computer, this man was doing it with music. Release November 14th, 1989. A year after... The Land of Rape and Honey. Ministry, fronted by Mr. Al Jorgensen. Put out, The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. Once again, controversial album cover. From The Land of Rape and Honey, there was that face that he had taken from a Holocaust film and he had uh, pixelated it and everything with the mind is a terrible thing to taste well uh, (laughs) these were the glory days for ministry this is when shit was getting dangerous it true I've often talked to people about Al Jorgensen and the fact that he has lived to tell his story the album title is a reference to UNICEF's slogan, A Mind is a Terrible Thing to Waste. Jorgensen was further inspired by Just Say No anti-drug campaign. Riflin said the other band members groaned when they heard it, but Jorgensen had the final say in naming, according to Connolly. The album art was inspired by a television program Jorgensen saw where migraine sufferers painted images of their pain. The image itself was a uh, was a picture of an x-ray from a studio receptionist's mother who had been in a car accident and received a metal plate. Jorgensen said he wanted that as the album artwork as soon as he found out about it. But the other band members disliked it. Barker praised the concept but said the execution was poor. Mind is a terrible thing to taste. Peaked at 163 and uh, was certified gold in 1995. Burning Inside is considered the hit. But come on, we all love thieves. And critics aside, 32 years later, the mind is a terrible thing to taste. Stands up. You have thieves burning inside. 
Never Believe, Cannibal Song, Breathe, So What, Test, Faith Collapsing, and Dream Song. There's a lot going on in The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. I am currently reading Al Jorgensen's book. The Lost Gospels, according to Al Jorgensen, with John Wiederhorn. And he talks about the album. The album is one of those albums, because there was so much going on, he just doesn't like talking about it. Ah. Okay, here's his take on the mind. It's a terrible thing to taste. I was using a lot of heroin and coke. And also we got a pound of MDNA from this girl. It was a huge bag. And just put a little on our finger. Rub it on your gums and the next thing you know, you're fucking insane. Okay. The album itself... And, I, and I've listened to almost all of Ministry's albums. Is cohesive... It's sonic. It was darker. It was it was thrash. It was harder than the land of rape and honey. Even though the title alone of the land of rape and honey, that really changed everything for Ministry. You know, Ministry was a synth pop band, and up until the land of rape and honey, that's what they were doing. And then the land of rape and honey really solidified ministry as this very dark, industrial, hard rock, metal, thrash band. And further solidified with their 1992 album, Psalm 69, or Story 69. Al Jorgensen, I've always found, is a very witty, not just dark, but funny character has a lot to say i mean who else is going to name their band revolting cocks yeah i think the the word cock alone has a lot of power versus penis where penis is like ooh a pen um okay as we dive into the mind is a terrible thing to taste. What what a title. 32 years later. It is truly a dark... It, it stands out, though. It stands out in their discography. Some bands, you know, they have maybe like one great album or two great albums... Jorgensen, though, talking about... Because I'm looking for it. Okay, here we go. This is from Chapter 8. Truly revolting. The sword story of El Duce, penis piercings, and the hazing of Trent Reznor. When the mind is a terrible thing to taste was done and dusted, it was time to ramp up and record another revolting Cox record. By then, the band had lost its European vibe and was becoming more American. Luke Van Aker came over for a few weeks and Richard 23 was out so we hooked up with his crazy this crazy fuck named Phil Doe Owen I met him on a ministry tour in Austin 
He was a DJ at the show, and he was also in a hardcore band called the Skatenings. The guy's 89% certifiably insane. So we got along really well. And one drunken night, he somehow became the vocalist for Revolting Cox during the Beers, Steers, and Queers era between 1989 to 1991. He did the vocals for the title track and came on the road with us. The shows were nuts. But the studio sessions were really quite compared to the shit like The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste, which was debauchery times 10. And then I think that's because we worked in shifts. Mikey, Jeff Ward, and I worked on music for three days straight, shooting up drugs to stay awake and yelling about stuff. And then he called Barker, Chris Connolly, and Martin Atkins and said, okay, I think we're done. It's time for you guys to take over. We'd crash and they'd come in and work for a day or two and then come back and erase at least 50% of whatever they had done and we'd start over again with the wrecking crew. I didn't have to deal with anyone. I don't want to work with and because I had final say on everything, beers, steers, and queers came out pretty much how I wanted it. It was actually a pleasant album to make. So the debauchery of the mind uh, is a terrible thing to taste. Oh, yes. I know that Jorgens has, has said that it was along the lines of Caligula. I, for me, that album, it's cohesive. It's cohesive. I can see why Jorgensen has issues with, like, Stigmata from The Land of Rape and Honey. But for me, yeah. Mine is a terrible thing to taste. It it's a near it's a near perfect record. It truly is. Because it's cohesive, it's thrashy. When you're doing when you're rebranding something, your footing is different. And with the in the land of rape and honey, the footing was totally different. Okay. This is what I wanted. This isn't in the book, but we'll read this. Jorgensen recalled the band's state as dysfunctional and the album's production as complete chaos and mayhem, which gave the band a level of artistic freedom impossible had they planned it. Jorgensen says that despite being a fan favorite, it is not among his favorites because of the condition he was in at the time. He was heavily into drugs during the recording and had poor relationship with his bandmates. In one instance, he chased bassist Paul Barker around the studio with a chair and hit him on the head with it because he couldn't stand him anymore. Jorgensen credited the era, the city, and the atmosphere at Chicago Track Studios for the album. Bill Reiflin and Chris Connolly instead attributed to the band sound interest in technology. For pre-production, Reiflin said that he and Barker watched films for a month sampling anything that caught their interest. Instead of writing music, they all improvised individually, rarely collaborating with each other. Connolly compared it as to Exquisite Corpse, a surrealist technique in which an artistic work is created collaboratively without any of the participants having knowledge of the other's contribution. Rafflin cited So What as the only track featured two musicians in the studio at the same time. After playing with the band on the Land of Rape and Honey tour... Dave Ogleridge collaborated on the album. The New York-based rapper K-Light sang vocals on Tess. Jorgensen said that Ministry and K-Light had been recording songs at the same time at the same studio. Both Jorgensen and K-Light were impressed with the aggressiveness of each other's music. 
and Jorgensen invited him to contribute vocals for a track. Riflin had previously recorded drums and bass after he became frustrated waiting for the others to contribute music to the track. Barker said he thinks that Riflin played all the instruments on the song. The female spoken part of Dream Song is a recorded conversation with Angelina Lucklin, Jorgensen's future and now ex-wife. Jorgensen had met her while on tour in Canada and impressed with her entertaining personality. Called her on the phone several times working while working on the album. Jorgensen recalled the conversation as babbling about dreams and angels while high. His ex-wife herself said Dream Song was a poem she wrote about having a dream about an angel. She did not know she was being recorded, but enjoyed the song. Ah. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this album. I mean, Dream Song features the Bulgarian state television female vocal choir singing the song Kamaluk. Uh, how do I, I want to pronounce this properly? Thank you, technology, for helping me. Off the 1975 collab- <laughs> collaboration album. Le mystère des voix vulgaires. Yes. Breathe, the opening musical sequence, first 30 seconds, taken from the film Cry Freedom. Cannibal Song, The Mind is a Labyrinth, is from the film Hellbound Hellraiser 2. See, there's a lot of film intertwined within this album. Faith Collapsing, the song was inspired by a sample from Fahrenheit 451, and the band's brainstormed from here. Other samples included... Propaganda from 1984. This is a legendary album. I've always wanted to... I mean, after reading some of the book... How could you not want to talk to Al Jorgensen? So, if I can... Because last night, I was was leaving a really great party at 1 in the morning. Almost 2. And I remembered that the anniversary of the album was right there. So I'm driving through the fog and I'm listening to The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste. And let's see. I mean, I have the physical copy of the album. I have the digital. I don't think I have any interview footage of Jorgensen talking about it. But the book right there, I mean, that that is what holds up. That album cover, that is that is such a striking album cover. That's such an amazing sonic and visual interpretation of a band at its moment. I say this... Because last year, and I love Nine Inch Nails, I really do. They were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I know it shouldn't matter, but at the same time, let's get real. Before, and I know the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame doesn't always do things right. Next year, maybe you will have a chance to set things right. If you really want to honor industrial rock, induct Skinny Puppy and Ministry into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Because without them, you don't have Nine Inch Nails. You don't have a lot of the industrial music that you claim 
to acknowledge. The mind is a terrible thing to taste. <laughs> Release on November 14th, 1989. Recorded between 1988 and 1989 at the studio Chicago Track Studios. A Terrible Mind to Taste is the fourth studio album by American industrial band Ministry. Released by Sire Records, the music took a more hardcore, aggressively guitar-driven direction, with Jorgensen inspired by Stormtroopers of Death and Rigor Mortis to add thrash metal guitars to the album and subsequent Ministry releases. As with most of Ministry's work, the album's lyrics deal mainly with political corruption, cultural violence, environmental degradation, nuclear war, drug addiction, and insanity. So, 32 years later, it still holds up. It's one of my personal favorites in Ministries catalog, along with Psalm 69, The Land of Rape and Honey, and their current album, Moral Hygiene. As always, Unpleasant Dreams, Thank you, Al Jorgensen, for being a crazy motherfucker and living to tell the story of your art. And may you be inducted next year into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Unpleasant dreams. <laughs> 